0: back. Friends, chimney sweeps, chimney technicians, lend me your ears. (laughs) So I originally was going to talk today about commission or payroll in general. Um, And as I was going through and writing my outline out for this episode, the first half of the the outline kind of took on a life of its own. And I realized they can't really talk about how to pay until we talk about what the customer is paying for. So this just kind of happened today, actually, as this this outline just kind of grew and I realized this is something that needs to be talked about. Um, another touchy subject. I mean, it seems like every time I do one of these, it's a touchy subject. And I think that's just par for the course with our, our trade. Um, there, there's more than one way to skin every cat. There's, there's so many different ways that we can do this job. I mean, half the industry can't decide on uh, what vacuum to use or or, you know what van to use, or the type of ladder that we—I mean—you're not ever going to get people to agree on anything. So this is my way. This is my company's way of running. Uh, I know a lot of other uh, business owners out there and, and uh, trainers out there that think a lot different. Alan Rush, if you're listening, <laughs> this might not be one you want to listen to. <laughs> but uh, this is this is my way. This is my opinion on this. But today we're going to talk about the difference between service and sales. Uh, and I have a very uh, stark contrast between the two, and I'm going to explain that. But um, just to start it off, uh, with my company, I have been very, very clear since the beginning that we do not sell. This is not a sales company. Now, to Alan Rush's credit and others that that talk about that and train that, there are certain sales techniques that will help you in this trade, absolutely. Uh, I myself was in sales for a long time Until the recession hit in 2009 Um, We're going to talk about that in a little bit But certain things that I learned As a salesperson Definitely helped me in my trade now But we are not salespeople I don't think in this trade You can be a Well, in some places You can be a salesperson But for your basic chimney technician Chimney sweep in the home That is not the time to be selling anything So, Uh, The difference to me, uh, I didn't pull this out of a, a Wikipedia article or anything. This is my definition. But to me, selling is when you make people buy something they don't need. You have to sell them something. You have to make them want it when they didn't necessarily think they wanted it when they first started talking to you. Giving somebody something they do need is when you serve them. That's service. They have a need, you fill that need, they they have an issue that needs to be fixed, you fix that problem. That's service. And there is a it's a very thin line between those two, but towing that line is what can make all the difference in your business. So to me, serving a customer is a lot better than selling something to them or or talking them into something. Um, when you're serving a customer, the first thing you have to do is identify a problem, right? We do that with our inspection reports. Our, our number one thing we should be doing, for those of you listening that don't do inspections with your sweepings, code says you're have, you have to. So that's the first thing we do is we're inspecting the chimney. Um, the first thing you do is you identify a problem. Once you find that problem, it is your responsibility then to explain that problem to the customer. Um, I always tell people that in this industry, we have to uh, talk to customers using words they've never heard to explain a problem they didn't know they had in places they'd never seen, <laughs> so explaining the problems that we find is a can be a nightmare sometimes. Trying to speak a different language to somebody, uh, but once you learn how to talk to a customer that way, identify the problem, explain the problem, then you offer a solution. Here's how we can make this better, or fix this, or change this, or upgrade this, whatever it is. Here's a solution to your problem. Something I did learn from Alan Rush is describe to them what happens if they don't solve the problem. That's something that I think a lot of us miss. Um, and Alan hit it right in the head. Like we get so caught up and here's your problem. Here's the solution. The next step to that is to describe what happens if they don't with, we'll get into fear language and scare tactics and all that. That's not what that is. This is just letting them know, here's what happens if you don't. I think the biggest difference though, between sales and service, in my opinion, in my company, is what happens after you've done that. Identify the problem, explain the problem, show the solution, to describe what happens. If they don't, then we leave. <laughs> we, we walk away. We don't have a closing technique. We don't have a, a any kind of a gimmicky, you know, there's guys out there in, in our area, and I'm sure they're in your area too, but, you know, if you decide today, we'll give you a discount or take money off or we can... no. No, don't jump down somebody's throat and make them choose today and sell them and close them. Well, what could I do to make a dip? No, don't do that. If somebody comes in my house and they're a tradesman, it would be an electrician or a roofer or a plumber or whatever. And they start using language like, well, I mean, if you sign up today, we can take some money. No, no, we're not going to get into it. a haggling that's that's cheap to me. And I'm not going to work with that company. My personal experience or my opinion in my company, we leave. You know, if they have questions and they want to ask, and they have a buying attitude right then and there, absolutely, we're not going to walk away from them. But we're not going to push either. Uh, one of the best techniques that has worked for our company is we just give them the information, and then we walk away. Call the office if you have any questions. Have a nice day. Kind of that, that's it. That's our closing technique at Caesar Chimney. We're not there to to force somebody or to or to, to beat them into submission to, or close them, you know, ABC, always be closing. Absolutely not. Don't, if anybody in my company ever starts closing a customer, they don't work for me anymore. That That's not how we do. You need to let your inspection report speak for itself. And I think that people in this industry, boy, this is going <laughs> to, people in this industry that resort to sales tactics are not good inspectors. That's my personal opinion. Once again, that I've seen in my company and local uh, companies around here, the companies that have to push or sell or sway or, or, or uh, negotiate or talk them into, you haven't done a complete inspection. Because if you had in this trade, and I'm going to show you how in the rest of this podcast, if you've done a really, really good inspection and you have explained to your customers the problems, the issues, and the things you've found, you don't have to sell anybody. So there's no need for that. And I think too many of us overlook the inspection report part. We'll get into that later too. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I don't know why I bother doing these outlines if I'm not going to stick to them. So back on track. What I do, my personal takeaway from being in sales and from doing this job is instead of focusing on the sales portion of it or the, or getting too over the top with, you know, what we're going to do is the why. Customers want to know the why. They don't care about the what. They really don't. You have to build value in what you're explaining to them. Once again, you're explaining problems they didn't know they had using words they've never heard in places they've never seen. Right? So you can't just go right into 10% off the top if you sign up today if they don't understand what they're getting or why they need it. So the why is so key in chimney sweeping in our trade. So the first thing that we do is we focus on their needs. We focus on what they want. Sometimes they'll tell you that right out the gate. Sometimes you'll know their needs before you get there. If your office is doing a really good job, you'll have notes on what the customer called for. They may have a leak. That's an easy one. They have a leak. You got to go up there and you got to diagnose where the leak is coming in and solve their problem. Uh, they might have animals in their home. They called it because they had a squirrel in the living room and they want a chimney cap, right? That's a need. They're calling you, telling you, hey, this is what I need. It might just be a design thing. They called up because they want to reface the fireplace or they want an insert or they want to change something. Sometimes the customer gives you their need right out the gate. Other times it's not so simple. We go out a lot to uh, sweep a fireplace and we find a boiler liner right next door that's collapsed or we get up top and the crown is completely gone or all kinds that we find wood under fireplaces. Like nobody even saw that before. They've had their chimney swept 20 years in a row. Nobody's brought it up. And now here I am going, you've got wood in a place that nobody ever has looked before. You have to explain that to them. They have a need they didn't know they had. But once you identify that and you explain that to them, you focus on their needs and how you can help them solve their problem. In this industry, we get so carried away with with, with jargon. And I'm talking again to myself here. I get very carried away with chimney speak, so you will, or if you can. Uh, I once hired a guy that worked for another company, and I went out with him the first week he was in the field, and I just wanted to see how he handled customers, how he talked to customers, and the first appointment we did was a wood stove sweeping, nothing really major, freestanding, you know, I think it it was like a one-story, it was, you know, really, really easy appointment. I'm like, all right, let's see what you got here, you take the lead on this, and uh, (laughs) he goes up to the customer. And I think the flu was cracked. I don't actually remember what was wrong with it, but all I remember was standing behind him and I'm looking at the customer as my new technician is talking to him and he's talking about uh fire rated terracotta flu tiles uh, that are rated to so-and-so degrees and they're kiln dried. And I'm going, Whoa. and the, the homeowner's just staring at him with this deer in the headlight look. And he's like, what? What? And I let him go for maybe five minutes or so just talking and he didn't really say anything. He used a lot of chimney speak. The homeowner had no idea what he was talking about. And I had to step in and I'm like, so your flute tile is cracked uh, and the chimney can no longer contain the products of combustion anymore. Oh, oh, okay. How do we fix that? And I'm like, oh God. So that's what I'm talking about. We get so caught up in in our knowledge, right? For those of us that are going to schools, classes and seminars and dissecting code books and just absorbing as much knowledge as we can, the problem then becomes not using all of that language when talking to a customer. We can get very carried away with talking over their head. And this happens in all kinds of trades. Uh, last year, the the heater went in the shop here and we had to call the HVAC guy. HVAC guy comes out he takes a look at it. I'm in the middle of like dealing with phone calls and issues and something. And he walks in and he goes, you got a minute? I'm like, yeah, I got a minute. I turn around and he holds up his cell phone and there's a picture on it. And the picture is very, very dark. So I could tell that he had it somewhere inside the heater somewhere. And he holds up the phone. And I mean, (laughs) the best I can remember was him saying, yeah, you (laughs) have. And I'm like, I had no idea what he was saying. I didn't know the words he was using. I didn't know. I had no idea. I'm not an HVAC guy. But he holds up this phone with a dark picture on it, and in the middle of the dark picture is a line going down the middle. And he goes, well, oh, it's cracked." <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be about five thousand. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, yeah." When this happens, happens a lot, but you know. And he keeps pointing at his phone like it's supposed to tell the story for him. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." That crack right there—it's too bad. Yeah, it went. So in order to do that, we got to replace the whole thing. You're looking at about five grand. I was like, "Right, sure." Like, that's what we do to customers. <laughs> I've done it myself. We get carried away. And we get really busy. And you say the same thing over and over and over again. It just comes out like word vomit. But you got to remember some of the people you're talking to, most of the people you're talking to in a home don't know what a smoke chamber is or a, an ash pit clean out. Or when you say under a fireplace, they don't actually, they don't know that you're talking about in like, they don't know what we know. And we get so caught up in the same exact thing. Uh, we used to have inspection reports that we'd get from our technicians and we'd look at the pictures and it was just a close-up of a crack on a crown. It was like close-up, like if maybe an two inches worth of a crack. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do with that? Oh, we're going to show the, the the homeowner. And I don't know why he didn't want to get his crown fixed. I'm like, because you showed him a line in a picture. It looks like there's a hair on your screen. Like That that doesn't tell any story. You can't just hold up a phone and go, that's cracked. we got to pay for it. They're not going to go for it. That's when you get the uh, the, the homeowners that start pushing back and that's too much money. And I don't understand. And I can get it done for cheaper. or I'm going to get a second opinion. Or when you start getting those kind of questions, I can tell that something wasn't explained properly. So when you're talking to your customers, if you're trying to sell them, and if you're trying to use a picture or your cell phone, or you're trying to use some kind of a prop to get the job done, that's where you're going to get the pushback. That's where you're going to get that deer in the headlights look of what? Why? It's that much just for my chimp? I called you for $200 for a sweeping and now you're saying it's going to cost 10 Why? That can't happen. That cannot happen. I've had customers call and we're doing follow-ups. Or we're calling for, you know, they'll call in for their next year's sweeping. We're like, oh, you have an estimate here. Uh, it looks like you you need a boiler liner. And we look at the, We're looking at the picture. The flue is completely collapsed, cracked. It's just, it's a terrible mess. And the guy will go, yeah, you know, we'll we'll get it when we get the money for it. Yeah. Can you just come sweep my fireplace again? I, I can tell that the technician that went out there did not explain anything. There's no way a homeowner can look at a oil boiler flue system completely cracked every single tile in pieces. And then go, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll wait till tax season to get that done. It doesn't happen. The technician failed is what that is. He didn't explain it well enough. And the homeowner has no idea the danger that he's in now. That's a problem. So when I'm in a customer's home, I don't focus on specifications or, or any of that. Or even, you know, oh, well, you see this crack in this picture. No, you have to explain to them the features, the advantages, and the benefits of having this chimney fixed that's where you get their, their attention and they understand. So don't talk over their heads. Don't use words. They don't understand. Don't try to like use gimmicks or any of that thing. You need to build value and the value is in the features, the advantages and the benefits that come from getting this fixed. So let's go with the easiest one. The one we all deal with a leak, right? If a customer has a leak and you go up top, and you find out there's no cap on the chimney. There's bricks that are missing. The flashing has holes in it, right? We Some of us get so caught up in, well, we're going to put a stainless steel. It's going to be hip and ridge. It's going to have uh, this grade of stainless steel. And it's going to have this much you know gaps in the mesh on the side. And And we get into explaining the cap like it's some kind of used car right? Well, it's got uh, anti-lock brakes and it's going to have this and your seat belt's going to be really tight. Nobody cares, right? You're not selling them a cap. You're selling them stopping their leak. That's the You're serving them. You're solving a problem. If you're out there describing the, the thickness and the gauge of the stainless steel in your caps, you're losing customers left and right. They don't care what the cap is made out of. Most of them don't even like the stainless steel. They're like, can I get a different color? That's ugly. Absolutely. We can do that, right? They don't. Don't spend time talking about what you're doing. Explain why. If you're going to seal a crown, don't go off using brand names. And, well, we're going to use this here from this company. It's got a this, 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 and that. We're going to seal the crown so it can't take any more water in. Boom, done. That's it. We're going to put a cap on. It's going to cover the whole top of the chimney. It's going to keep all of the water from impacting the top of your chimney, going down your flues and running down the side of the chimney. That's a feature. That's an advantage. That's a a benefit of having a cap put on. Stainless steel is fine. That's, you know, that's just what it's made out of. It's going to last forever. It's got a lifetime warranty. That's great. Customer kind of cares, depending on who they are. What they want is for you to stop their leak. They want the water to stop tripping in their living room or running down the wall. That's why they called you. So when you go out there, don't focus on what you're doing. Focus on why you should do it, right? You explain to them, you got to put a cap on it. And then like Alan Rush said, explain what happens if they don't. So you have a leak we put this cap on it's going to cover the whole top of the chimney it's going to stop the water from coming down inside the flues and going inside the crown because we're going to seal that too everything from the roof up is going to be watertight we're going to water seal it we're going to flash seal it we're going to replace the flashing we're going to replace the whatever you're going to do up there you tell them quickly here's what we're going to do but what that's going to do is now i can guarantee that from the roof up the chimney won't be the cause of this leak anymore that's all they they care about that's what they called you for was to stop the leak and then explain what happens if they don't. We have a, a, a five-step process to stopping leaks in the roof up. We can't do pieces of it because then we can't guarantee it. If I go up there and just put a cap on, the water can still get in a, a cracked joint, bad flashing somewhere else. If we go up there and just do waterproofing and don't put a cap, that's an obvious one, right? So if you, if you take pieces of it and you don't do it all, we can't guarantee it. <clears throat> but... Explain that to the customer. Here's what happens if you don't. And we get that a lot. We actually won't do uh, any chimney job unless it has a cap put on with it. It's a uh, a policy that I made up a couple of years ago, way too late. I used to listen to the customers and they're like, "No, I don't want the cap." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. We'll put this liner in. We'll do this heat shield for you. We'll rebuild the chimney. We'll seal the crown." We'll do all of these things to it, but we won't put a cap on because you didn't want it. And then the next year we go back out and the crown is completely cracked again and the bricks are all bad and the flues are all wet. And we're like, great, we're back to square one again. We can't guarantee our work unless we protect it. So we won't do the job unless we have that cap. But explain that to the customer. Don't just say, no, we don't do it. No, we want you to buy the cap or else we won't work. They're not going to listen to me then. But explain to them, you're going to pay a lot of money for me to rebuild your chimney. And masonry is porous. And if you leave that chimney uncapped and water still impacts the crown and runs down the flues and is hitting the side of the, it's going to happen again. And all the work that I've done won't be guaranteed. Oh, okay. Can I get the cap in bronze? Yes, you can. Right. That's a massive difference. I'm not selling anything. I'm explaining to them the problem they have and how we're going to solve it. And what happens if we don't? Same thing with a liner. The liner is the easiest one. You have fire and smoke in somebody's living room, right? They're going to light a fire in the middle of their house and you're going to be the one that says whether they can or can't. You got to treat that with a little bit of severity. That's not just a, a sweep. You know, people, oh, you know, sweeps are a loss leader and this and that. That's sales talk. Okay. My job, my job is to serve my customers is to make sure they can light a fire in their living room. The second I leave that house, this isn't just a, yeah, throw the brush. It's fine. Okay. Here's sign here. Bye. That's that's a sales-driven mentality. So if you're going to give them permission to light a fire in the middle of their house or up here, boilers and furnaces run through more flues than, than wood does, some of these flues are so cracked that the gases are now eating away at the bricks that are right on the other side of a bedroom wall or up the side of a house where this is dangerous stuff. And you have to explain that to the customer. Hey, your liner is cracked. You ever drank out of a straw with a crack in it? everybody has and everybody that heard that just went oh yeah because we've all done it we know that it's it's terrible or you never have a garden hose with a leak in it use any kind of simple story analogy parable kind of story like that and they're going to get it you don't have to go into terracotta clay flu and expansion thermal uh, shock and customer doesn't care what does the customer care about is this going to impact my bedroom where my daughter sleeps my son sleeps where i sleep You have toxic gases running through your house and now there's a hole in it. Think of a garden hose running through your house and just walk away and let them connect the dots. That's service. Don't sit there and push them on the fact that it's 0.05 inches thick, 316 titanium. Nobody cares. They don't care. They want to know, can I sleep well tonight? Will my house be here in the morning? Can I light a fire in my living room? That's what they want to know. So when you find these problems in people's homes, don't push specifications and technology and all this stuff down their throats, explain to them how you're going to make their life better. How are you going to improve? Like we talk about a lot about uh, insulating wood or uh, solid burning fuel liners. And there's a big debate, you know, should it, does it, is it code? Does the manufacturer say, do I have to blah, blah, blah. Does it make the chimney better? The flue better? Does it make the appliance vent better? Is it safer? Then absolutely. I'm going to do it. I don't care what it does to my bottom line or my schedule or if I can rush through it or if the customer doesn't want it, am I going to stand behind the work that I did? That's all that matters to me at the end of the day. And because of culture, that's all that matters to my technicians. They are not going to do a job they can't stand behind. And if you explain that to a customer that wrapping this liner in insulation because you have an exterior flue and it's not going to draft well if it doesn't draft well you get creosote and it, explain to them why it matters don't go into oh it's a half inch insulation wrap with the foil back then we're going to put a mesh bag they don't care they don't I promise you homeowners don't care well some of them you get an engineer you get somebody that's really into the specifics you got to know your audience and you have to kind of change your tune but if you're talking to you know, the, the stay at home mom is there and she's the one Well, and you're trying to explain to her thermo uh, shock and the gases and the, the insulation wrap and the stainless steel 360. Don't do that. No. What parents want, what family wants, what homeowners want is, is my family and my home going to be safe at the end of the day? How do you make that happen? That's all that matters. So if you do an inspection report with clear pictures, clear language, you explain it to them in words they understand without talking over their head. If you show them the features, the advantages and the benefits to having this done, you explain the effects of what would happen if they don't get it done. There is no way a homeowner will look at a picture of a collapsed, a collapsed flu in their oil boiler and say, yeah, I mean, we could wait a couple of years, right? That's not going to happen. You don't have to have a closing technique for, you know, we'll give you $100 off if you do it today. That's not going to happen because they don't want to die. <laughs> I mean, If they understand how dire this is, they'll sign up right then and there. Hey, can I get this done tomorrow? Right? I told you a story a couple of weeks ago in this, uh, one of my episodes about how we worded our inspection where we said, you know, yes, you can use it. No, you cannot use it. Very black and white language. And we found a boiler flu with a cracked tile and Technician said, nope, can't use it. And the guy called that night, middle of October. Hey, we shut our boiler off because you said we can't use it. Come out tomorrow and fix it. And I'm like, we're booked out three months. He's like, no, no, no. You said we can't use it. Come out and fix it. That guy understood what we were saying. That's how dire this is, is if you're going to tell somebody they can't use something, you had better be prepared to fix it because if you've explained it right, they want it fixed today. They don't want to wait three months or I'll see you when you're free next, or I'm sorry you're booked out till Christmas and I'll wait. No, they want it fixed now. This is their home. My, uh, my, uh, pump went the other day and my, uh, I don't even know what that thing is down there, air conditioner or something. I don't even know because I'm, I'm not an HVAC guy. Something went, all I know, and my wife called the uh, the company and they were out that day to fix it. You know why? Because she kept calling till she found somebody that would come out that day to fix it. I'm not waiting a week or two weeks to get my air conditioner fixed in August. I'm not doing it. Anyway, another tangent I went off on. So that's the key to talking to your customers identify the problem what i say and I, I don't mean this as any kind of an insult but i say use third grade language that doesn't mean you're talking down to anybody i'm i'm stressing the fact that i'm when i talk to people in a home i use third grade language i'm not going to look a homeowner in the face and say well yeah your smoke chamber corbels aren't parched <laughs> they're gonna go my what did you just swear it like what did you what did you say Well, yeah, we got, I mean, code says your smoke chamber corbels need to be parts and they're not. So here's a bill. Absolutely not. So you see, Mr. Homeowner, on top of your fireplace is an upside down funnel and it's going to take all the gas, all the smoke from your fire and it's going to funnel it up and into the flue. And right now it's built like an upside down staircase. So it can't really funnel very well. And code actually says it's supposed to be smooth on the inside so that that funnel can shoot the gases up and out of your flue as fast as possible. Right now, they're bouncing around quite a bit. And that's why I have all this creosote that I had to sweep out. So if I go inside and do a bunch of work to make sure that that can vent properly, it's going to vent better. It's going to meet code and you're going to have a more efficient fireplace. You see the difference there in your smoke chamber corbels need to be parged because code says so. That's a massive difference. And that's why you're having these issues with, oh, well, they want to think about it or they don't want, it. they're going to get a second opinion and they didn't understand because you're throwing language at them. They don't know. Third grade language, upside down funnel, not smooth. They get that. Everybody understands what I'm saying there. Talking about uh, busted uh, garden hoses or uh, cracks in drinking straws, everybody understands that. Doesn't matter if it's, extruded clay terracotta or stainless steel 316 or it's poured ceramic heat refractory they don't care anyway i beat that horse enough (laughs) identify the problem using third grade language explain the repair in basic detail just basic we're going to put a new liner in your flue that's going to guarantee the gases stay contained right now they're not contained every time that boiler furnace fireplace pellet stove whatever it is whenever that kicks on the chances of those gases escaping and just point right at the wall. You don't know what's on the other side of the wall. It could be a bedroom, could be a bathroom, could be a closet. Who knows? If the chimney's running through the center of the house and you just point at it and say, right now that chimney cannot contain the gases going through it. That's all you got to say. Don't say you're not going to wake up tomorrow. I've had employees do that. Well, if you don't fix this, you might not wake up tomorrow. Don't do that. <laughs> but let them know how dire it actually is. It's not just a crack and a flu. Point at the wall. Right there behind that wall, that chimney can no longer contain the products of combustion. We put a liner in, all of those gases will be able to be contained. Done. Third grade language, no specifications. But we get so caught up in explaining the the, the details of the repair because we're, we're proud of it. Like, this is a hard job to do. There's a lot of things we're going to do to just, it's a lot more than just putting a liner in. We know that, but don't get caught up in the details unless you're dealing with an engineer because... That's a two-hour conversation. We all know that. And then describe the effect of not having it done. If you don't put a liner in that chimney, every time the boiler kicks on, uh, the chances are that the gases could escape that flue tile because there's a fist-sized hole right behind that wall, right? Explain what, if you don't put a cap on this chimney, every time it rains, every time it snows, water's going to get back down inside the flue, water's going to get down inside that crack in the crown. Explain to them what happens if they don't. You're solving a problem. You're not selling a car. And then be honest. If you can't do it for the love of God, don't bullshit them. Don't don't make it sound like you're better than you are. If you can't do it, refer someone who can. There is no shame in that. One of these podcasts coming up, I'm going to talk about the difference between quality and quantity, and you don't need more quantity of jobs you don't know how to do or can't do. Don't do it. Fill it with things you can do, Right. If you can't do it, refer someone who can. Have a list of people in your area. My office right now has a list of I don't even know, five or six different chimney companies that we refer to if it's outside of our service area or if they have a we don't do pellet stoves anymore. I just don't want to deal with them. I don't have enough time and and patience to deal with them or teach my employees how to do them to deal with them. Our schedule right now is completely full of nothing but wooden oil. So if somebody calls at the pellet stove, I have two other companies I refer him to. Here, call these two. I stand behind them. They're certified and I know them personally. They'll take care of you. If they have gas, we can't do gas up here because of a law. There are a couple of chimney companies that do have gas licenses. We refer them hands yeah, absolutely. He's gonna take care of you. Go call him. If it's uh, stone veneer or uh, natural stone, not stone veneer. If it's natural stone or something like that, I have somebody for that. If it's walls, if it's patios, if it's something outside of my scope, I have somebody that can do it. I'm not going to bullshit my customer and say, oh yeah, absolutely. We'll give it a shot or we'll figure it out. Don't do that. You're wasting your time and you're wasting theirs. If they, if you refer them to somebody, they respect you for it. I've had people before that, Uh, I've referred somebody for a gas insert. I'm like, well, unfortunately we can't do that. Uh, here's a guy that I stand behind hundred percent. He's a really good guy. He's going to take care of you. Give him a call. They called us back and said, Hey, he was amazing. Can you come rebuild the chimney on my mother's house? That's three stories with four liners. in it. I'm like, absolutely. I can. I got work out of referring to somebody else happens all the time. But if I had this big ego trip where I'm like, I got to do it because I can't let somebody else make money. Then I'm just going to spin my wheels and probably do a half-assed job. I've been there. I've done that, and it did not end well for me. It took me way too long to realize what I'm telling you right now. If you don't know, tell them you'll find out. There's once again no shame in saying you don't know. There's so many different nuances to this trade that some people that I know would probably know everything. That's totally fine. A lot of us are not them. I'm not. If you don't know, don't bullshit them again. I will find out for you. I have no idea. I got my manager or my boss or somebody's got a code book back at the office. Let me call them up, see if you can find it. I'll let you know this afternoon. Done. Don't bullshit them. If they can do it cheaper, let them know. You know how there are so many customers that have become lifelong customers of Caesar Chimney because I've said we can absolutely do this for 20000 but you can also do this for 7000 and it would actually heat your home or do or whatever it is. But tell them there's a cheaper way. Don't just get caught up in, oh, wow, I'm going to make a big payday or a big sale. Be honest with them. And I talk about me a lot because when I'm in the field, of course, I'm the owner and I can make certain decisions. But when you have a culture that permeates down to the technicians that I am so proud of my technicians, I just, I can't gush over them enough. Last week, one of my techs comes in, masonry fireplace he was dealing with, uh, all kinds of issues, wood under the hearth, wasn't built right, parge, flues weren't, whatever. There's a ton of issues with this fireplace. He goes, I can't deem it safe to use. Uh, we can do prior fire, air and fire. Here's your thousands and thousands of dollar estimate to do that. And she goes, I don't want to do that. She goes, what about an electric insert? And he goes, absolutely. Those will work. We have one of those at the shop. And she goes, well, can you do that? And he goes, well, I mean, I can, there's really nothing to it. You plug it in and you just slide it in. She goes, well, if I bought it, uh, can you come back out and install it for me? Now, right then and there, he's already went from a multi-thousand dollar, huge fireplace retrofit replacement job down to selling a gas or I'm sorry, an electric fireplace insert. And then he's turned that away. And now he's down to a service call. Most people I know would be like, absolutely, I'll come out and I will charge you the 150 175 whatever it is, service call fee to come out and install that for you. But how hard is it to put in a gas insert into a fireplace? It's not. So he literally told her that he goes, I could, but I'm not going to do that to you. Here's the website that we use for our uh, electric fireplaces. Here's one that will fit. It'll slide right in. It'll be perfect. The surround will cover it up and this and that. You literally plug it into the wall and you slide it into place. Have a great day he served my customer he didn't sell he didn't drive something down their throat they didn't need he didn't talk over them he didn't make money off of it no he actually helped them fix their own problems so he went from installing a prior fire to helping the homeowner put an electric fireplace in themselves that is what caesar chimney is all about that's what so many hear so many stories like this from my text that just i could not be prouder That is why we have the reputation we have. That is why we have the culture and the customers that we have is because we're there to help them, not to make money off of them. There's a massive difference there. Speaking of money, though, um, there's a a, uh, HVAC company here in our area with hundreds of trucks, massive. I think it's the biggest in the state. Uh, We partner with them for chimney work. But before that happened back at our old house, uh, our water heater broke. I don't actually remember what happened because once again, not an HVAC guy, don't pretend to be, so I have no idea what the problem was. It just stopped working. We didn't have any hot water in the house. I happened to be sick that week and I was up laying in bed, couldn't get out of bed. It was one of those deathly ill kind of things. So my wife had to do both of the uh, estimates and she called two different companies. And the first one showed up, the bigger company, the the hundreds of truck company. And the guy shows up and he's wearing booties and he hands her a card And he introduces himself, and he shakes her hand, and and just very very professional, cleanly dressed polo shirt, name on his shirt, carrying a clipboard, like just you're perfect. You can picture this guy in your head, right? She walks him over to the the closet that the um, the water heater was in, and he starts taking notes. And he goes, "Okay, well, we can replace this, but uh, due to you know the amount of people in the house, we should probably go up to this bigger model and." Uh, code actually requires to have a shutoff switch in this room. There isn't right now. It's a newer code. So most of the older homes don't have it. So we're going to have to put a switch right here. Uh, This expansion tank is on its way out. So in order for the new tank to work, we're probably going to need to upgrade. And he just starts going on and on and on and on. And he's talking code and this is safety and these pipes are old and this is it. And we should probably upgrade that and this and that. And she comes upstairs and she goes, it's $3,000. And I'm just laying there dead in bed. I'm like, okay, great. whatever. (laughs) I was like, let's see what the other guy says. The next day, I'm still in bed, and the the second HVAC guy shows up. Dirty boots, holes in his jeans, ragged t-shirt, backwards baseball. Like you can picture this guy too. He comes in. And he goes, "Let me take a look at what we got." He opens the door and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I got one of these. You know, these are pretty standard. I can replace this. Not a problem. By next week. By the way, the three thousand dollar job was like three weeks out. They were booked way out. He goes, "I can have this in a few days." And not a problem. She goes, oh, okay. Well, you know, what about the switch? Doesn't code say that there's supposed to be a switch in the in the same room? And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, codes, they change. And I mean, I can if you want, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't have one now and it hasn't hurt you. So, you know, not. She goes, all right. Well, what about these old pipes? Goes, oh, I mean, you know, yeah, I can. If you, I mean, whatever, sure. But these are still holding up pretty good. And, you know, the copper and the lead is, you know, it doesn't hurt. Anybody. <laughs> I'm making this up. I don't know. I wasn't actually there. But when she came upstairs it was a completely different story from the day before before she was like oh wow, he was really nice and this and that it's gonna be three thousand dollars though i'm like okay this time she comes blasting into the bedroom she goes we are not hiring that guy we are not working with him no i was like whoa what are you, like, did he like hit on you or something what happened she was pissed she goes no but and then she starts telling me the story about you know you know we don't need a switch and the pipes and the expansion tank and you don't need a bigger one it'll be fine you can just do this and whatever and just very cavalier, very not servicing at all. And he came in at half the cost. It was $1,500. And now my wife is faced with $3,000 in three weeks or $1,500 in a few days. But she would not have that guy come back in house if he paid her because she did not feel safe and she was not served. You see the difference there? So many of the chimney companies that I talked to are that second guy. And we see him on online all the time. Why didn't you put a cap on that? Oh, the homeowner didn't want it. Oh, okay. I'm glad you rebuilt that. So now it's exposed to the elements because the homeowner didn't want it. Like, okay. Or why did you do this? Or why did you put that? Or how come? And the answer is always, well, they didn't want to pay for it, or they didn't like it, or they didn't want it. If you're the professional, know the codes Know the standards, know your regulations, know your manufacturer's instructions, what's supposed to happen, what's not supposed to happen, and serve your customer. Help them have a better chimney. Don't just do a fix for them. We had a uh, a real estate inspection a couple of years ago now, and uh, the guy called up and he goes, I'm selling the home. I need you to take a look at it. Great. Two of my guys go out, they come back with like a $12,000 ridiculous estimate where Uh, the fireplace was all cracked up and the ash pit had wood underneath it and the smoke chamber was not parts, liner was bad, chimney wasn't capped, cracked bricks, flashing. I mean, everything you could think of was wrong with this chimney was wrong with it. Gave him a big estimate, gave him a big inspection, called it a day. Guy calls me back a week later, swearing like a sailor at me. And you guys are crooks and you guys this and you guys that, and I'll never use you again. And I'm going to run your name all over this. I'm like, whoa, what did we do? He was, well... I just wanted you to come out and take a look at the chimney. You guys said the whole thing needs to be replaced. I called another guy and I told him, I just want the cracked bricks in the fireplace taken care of so I can sell this house. And he did it for me. So I'm going to refer him to everybody now. (laughs) And I said, what? That's all you wanted done was what you can see from sitting on a couch and he did it and I'm the crook? Well, yeah, I I just want to sell the house. I'm like, whoever you sell that to now thinks they can use it and they cannot. Well, I mean, that's not what I'm worried about. I just want to sell the house and you guys are crook. And that, you know, we've all had those conversations. That's absolutely, I mean, I don't even have words for that. But don't be that second guy. Don't be the guy that just does what the homeowner wants or what they think just to make a buck. Like that, that chimney sweep I'm talking about. I think the job was like 250 Great. He made $250 and now he's getting touted as a winner. Meanwhile, I'm over here trying to save new homeowners lives and I'm a crook. Fine, that's hundred percent your problem, not mine. But build value, take care of your customers, serve your customers, help them understand the problems they have. Help them. Nobody wants to spend six, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on a chimney. It's the most overlooked part of a house. It's the last thing inspected in a home, if it's even inspected at all. Most homeowners don't call us until they have a problem. They don't call us until they see a brick in their driveway or smoke in the living room or water in their ceiling or a squirrel in the bedroom. Like that's when they call or they want to use it. Then they call us in October and expect it done the next day. They don't call us expecting to have a $20,000 roof up, all these issues we're finding. That's your job is to explain to your customer a problem they didn't know they had using words they've never heard before in places they'll never see. That's it. (laughs) This is very hard. Don't sell them. Don't talk over their head. Don't talk down to them. Don't confuse them. Explain to them they have a problem, and here's how I'm going to fix it. That leak you called me about, I can fix that. We seal the flashing and cut out some bricks and water seal the chimney, seal the crown, put a cap on it, cover the whole thing, I guarantee it's not going to leak anymore. Oh, you have a funny smell? Here's how we're going to fix that. Oh, you have a cracked liner? We're going to fix that because it's like a a garden hose with a hole in it running up through the middle of your house right now every time the boiler kicks on. Third grade language. They understand that. I didn't mention anything about specs. I didn't talk over their heads. And now they're asking me, can you do it tomorrow? Massive difference. So I went on a lot longer than I wanted to. I didn't even get halfway through the, uh, the outline for this. But I think you guys get the idea. I'm kind of beating a dead horse here. Serve your customers. That's the the best thing you can do for them. That is actually our job. When we go out to a home, don't treat it like it's their, they're blessed for having us there. Like, oh, wow, we're here. No, right. That's their home. You're in their home. That's their castle, their safe place. Treat it like it is yours. Don't go in there and acting like you're just going to sell them everything under the sun. Don't do that. Go in there and Help them have a better life. Help them burn that fire in the middle of their living room. Help them be safe at night with that gas furnace or that oil boiler venting through their bedrooms, right? Help them. And you'll go really, really far in this industry. All right, that's all I got. Hopefully next week, we're going to talk about commissions and payroll and all of that fun stuff. But that's all I got for today. (laughs) Thank you so much for lending me your ears and I will see you.